Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today we are talking a little bit about the psychology of habits, and we're going to relate this to body composition. So before I get into this episode, I would be so grateful if you took a second to at least subscribe to this podcast. Just push the little subscribe button in the top corner, whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Um, if you've noticed, I don't do ads for this podcast, so this is completely delivered for free, and it actually takes me, each episode takes me about 10 hours to research and write, so I put a lot, a lot of time into this, so if you have not subscribed, please do that at least, and then if you could rate and review, that would also mean so much to me. Thank you for those of you that already have rated and reviewed. I read them, and it means a lot to me because I'm able to see what you're benefiting from and it helps drive my ideas. So thank you for those of you that have done it already. So today we are looking at what habits are required to improve your body composition. Body recomposition is something I've talked about in several other episodes. It's the process of losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time. So it's that quote unquote toned look that a lot of people have the goal of. And again, I've talked about this in many episodes, and although it may seem like having a body composition goal is all about the aesthetic, I actually love it as an overall health goal for so many reasons beyond the aesthetic. First off, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a reasonable aesthetic goal. I think that that sometimes gets like demonized in um in the fitness culture for like wanting to look a certain way, and of course, within reason, right? But I think that this far exceeds aesthetics. For one, half the equation of body recomposition is building muscle. And muscle is one of our key organs for longevity. Because diet culture has infiltrated our brains, most of us have spent our lives following the trash advice of the fitness industry. And this has made women think that if they lift a weight, they'll bulk up. And that They need to focus on getting as small and lean and thin as possible, which ends up for many women whittling away at their muscle mass and getting them into all sorts of issues later in life. So unless you're doing something about it, we're losing muscle with each year that passes. And this affects not only our body composition, but it affects our metabolic health. It affects our brain health. It affects our bone density, our overall fragility, and so much more. If you want to age well and be healthy for the long term, maintaining, and for most of us, gaining muscle should be a key focus in our lives. I like to be an example that it does not need to be extreme. I am not a meathead or super jacked by any means. I have gained muscle that's been significant for me over the last three years, but I've done so really slowly. I don't do extreme workouts or kill myself in the gym. I don't have like freaky genetics to be able to gain muscle with little effort. It takes me a lot of time and I have to progress slowly. And I think that many leaders in the industry who are talking about the importance of building muscle may look a certain way, right? They may look like these jacked bodybuilders. And I think that's great and beautiful. But I want to be a voice that in this that has more of a quote unquote normal build and yet I'm still advocating for the importance of building muscle. Another reason why I like this body recomposition goal is that it forces you to slow down. It's a slow process because you can't drop your calories too low 
in this process or you'll lose muscle. And this makes the dietary changes a lot more sustainable because you're not going to be starving all the time because you're not in such an extreme calorie deficit, which means you're more likely to form habits that you can actually stick to from both a training perspective and from a nutrition perspective. Many studies show that people who lose weight often gain it right back. Um, And this is because they aren't adhering to the lifestyle behaviors that allow them to sustain that new weight. In my opinion, this is because those lifestyle behaviors are just too extreme or they're done out of willpower and self-control. And willpower and self-control are finite, right? You have a certain amount of willpower and self-control that tends to deplete after some time. And they're not done, these lifestyle changes, rather than out of something called automaticity, which is an automatic habit that fits easily into your life. This is something that I'm going to talk about today. So because body recomposition happens slowly, it requires you to make these more subtle changes where you can actually spend time rewiring your brain so these behaviors no longer require willpower, which is depleting, and just happen with more or less automatic responses. So today we'll go over the habits that are required for body recomposition. I'll help you prioritize those in order of most important to least important. They're all important, but we'll prioritize them for you. You'll decide your weakest area, and then you'll develop a plan to help you form a new habit around that area in order to inch you closer to your goals. And we'll talk a little bit about the psychology of, of building a habit and staying consistent. Body recomposition requires several things. And I'll briefly discuss each of these three things. So the first is sleep, that you're getting between eight and nine hours of sleep consistently. Peyton, looking at you. (laughs) Number two is nutrition. She struggles with sleep. (laughs) That's okay. I know a lot of people do. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. A lot of people struggle with sleep. The second is nutrition, that you're eating in a slight calorie deficit on average and that you're also eating high protein. So 0.75 to one grams of protein per ideal body mass. I'll talk about that in a moment. And then the third, of course, is training, that you're strength training in a way that's challenging muscles, that you're programming your workouts, and that you're baking in recovery. Many of the things that I discuss in, that I'll discuss here, I've discussed at length in other episodes, so I won't go into too much detail. I'll keep this kind of high level. But first, I want to talk about sleep. And I put sleep first because I think a lot of people struggle with this. And I think if you don't have this down, everything else is going to be a lot less effective. Because if you're not getting eight to nine hours of sleep, your other actions, your nutrition, and your training are going to be a lot less potent and effective. Your body will struggle to build muscle, and it'll be harder for you to adhere to your nutrition plan because of hormonal changes that happen with uh, sleep deprivation. So let's discuss why. So I think this study highlights how you could put in the same effort towards your training and diet, but without proper sleep, you're not going to see the same results. Two groups of people were studied, and they were both put on the same slight calorie deficit. One group slept for 5.5 hours, and the second group slept for 8.5 hours for 14 nights. At the end of the study, both the groups lost weight because they were both in a calorie deficit, but the sleep-deprived group lost less fat and more muscle than the well-slept group. The well-slept group lost mainly fat, and they held on to their lean mass, whereas the sleep-deprived group less lost more fat and 
or sorry, lost less fat and more muscle. So sleep deprivation is a potent catabolic stressor. In other words, lack of sleep will cause a breakdown of tissue like muscle to convert that muscle via the proteins into glucose. This is because when you're awake, your brain requires a lot more glucose than when you're asleep. So when you are awake more often, your brain requires more glucose. And if you're in that slight calorie deficit and you don't have the glucose available from food, your body's going to break down muscle to provide your brain with enough glucose. So this is why these two groups of people could be eating the exact same and yet the sleep-deprived group is breaking down muscle at a faster rate than those who are getting more sleep. The sleep-deprived group also had an increased level of a hunger hormone called ghrelin, something I've talked about in other episodes. So this makes them hungrier and it makes it harder to stick to that calorie deficit because of your body is wanting more fuel because it needs more energy because it's lacking energy in the sleep department. So it says, okay, we need to eat more so that we have more energy to be able to fuel our brain. So this makes getting to your body composition goals a lot harder. And especially it's going to also be hard to gain muscle, right? Because you're going to be breaking down the muscle that you have in order to serve your brain with enough glucose. So I'm saying this sleep first because I think that people struggle to get enough sleep. If this is you, I highly recommend before you change your eating and your exercise, focus on the sleep first and focus on this for like 10 weeks straight. And you will find that the other habits are so much easier to start and adhere to when you have better habits around sleep. So that's the first one, sleep. The next two will go by a little quicker. Nutrition. People overestimate the power of exercise on fat loss and underestimate the power of nutrition. And I always say I'm not a nutrition expert, so I try to stick to the basics and go off what um, the interviews I've done with other RDs. But as far as nutrition for body recomposition, there are various strategies. In general, you want to find what's called your total daily energy expenditure, your TDEE. You can use an online calculator if you want to find out what that is. And you want to eat about 200 calories less than your total daily energy expenditure on average. For me, um, when I was tracking my calories, this ended up being like two or 300 calorie deficit during the week, or sometimes I would just eat my maintenance. And then on the weekends, I would eat a little bit more. So on average, I would end up being in a slight calorie deficit. You may need to track your food with this if body recomposition is your goal. And if you are tracking your food for the first time, tracking drinks, oils, sauces, um, especially at first, so that you can really get an understanding of how many calories you are eating. So that can be really helpful. Gaining muscle while losing fat also requires a high protein diet. So again, one point or one gram of protein per ideal body mass. Um, You can calculate your ideal body mass using an online calculator. It's not just like, oh, I want to weigh 110 pounds or whatever it is. You actually can calculate what your ideal mass would be based on your age, height, and gender. So if you want to go figure out what your ideal body mass is on an online calculator, it's an estimate. They're flawed for sure, but that could be a little bit of a benchmark for you. And then you want to eat around one gram of protein per pound. Um, For me, nutrition has always been the hardest part. 
I exercise regularly and I've always prioritized sleep. Sleep has never been an issue for me, but I grew up with zero knowledge of nutrition. I mean, we were eating like boxed mac and cheese most nights and we did not eat healthy and I was not taught to eat intuitively at all. I was kind of taught to eat based on emotions, you know, eat when you're sad, eat when you're happy, eat when you're celebrating, eat when you're bored. And I have really struggled as an adult to break some of those eating habits and to learn a lot about nutrition. And I think that that's really common. I don't think that I'm alone on this. So I've had to really look at my motivations around food and it's absolutely still a work in progress. But I've found that I use food as a buffer to kind of like numb uncomfortable emotions, especially at night. And nighttime is when you know, the distractions of the day start to dissipate. My mind starts to wander. I'm tired. I might get anxiety about what's going on the next day or what happened that day or a whole host of other mind stuff. And because these thoughts can sometimes be uncomfortable or, you know, maybe I'm bored or whatever it is, I often will eat to distract myself. And again, I think this is really common. And I've learned by researching for this episode that nighttime is likely when my willpower is at its lowest since I'm tired and more depleted for the day. And willpower is something that tends to be stronger when you are fresher, when you have more energy. So it makes total sense that nighttime is kind of a recipe for bad habits to to crop up. Um, For me, it tends to be my eating that I've kind of struggled with the most. So habits around nutrition are complex. I am not going to sit here and pretend like I'm an expert in that or that I'm qualified to give any kind of advice beyond the basics about breaking habits or forming habits around nutrition. I do think that seeing an RD who can guide you on your behaviors and your motivations around food, if that's something that you struggle with, especially if you have a history from family or whatever it may be, I think that's a really worthwhile investment. I think more people need to be working on that than we think because food is just a part of our lives and it can be very loaded emotionally. So that's nutrition. And the last habit that's important for body recomposition, again, this will be the shortest segment yet, is exercise and exercise programming. If you're a Fit Body Happy Joints listener, you know that not all exercise is created equal and that programming and recovery are crucial. It's not just about lifting weights haphazardly in a boot camp class. You have to lift weights in ways that are stimulating muscle tissue properly and programming each workout so that those workouts stack properly and you aren't overstimulating some muscle groups and understimulating others. So training each muscle group with about four hard sets per week is key. That means you're choosing an exercise that specifically loads one muscle group and taking that lift close to failure and doing that for four or more sets per week per muscle group. I won't go into any further detail on that to avoid being a broken record um, because I talk about that in a lot of other episodes. So those are the main things required for body recomposition, sleep, nutrition, and training. Next, we'll go over kind of the psychology behind habit forming, and we'll end by having you pick one specific thing in one of those areas to work on over the next 10 weeks, if that's your goal. So long-term goals like body recomposition really require control of behavior that is consistently in line with long-term goals. So this involves forming habits. We're staying consistent. Habits are actions that are triggered automatically in response to contextual cues. So 
let's say um, the, the context is you go to the bathroom and the action is you wash your hands. So this habit of washing your hands is triggered after you go to the bathroom. You don't have to think about it. It's just the context is there. You go to the bathroom and then the action follows. You wash your hands. Or another habit that you might not even have to think about that just happens automatically is you get in the car, that's the context, and you put on your seatbelt, that's the action. Again, these things are habitual. You don't have to use a lot of brain energy in order to make them happen. So to make something a habit, you have to repeat an action consistently with a certain context. Before we get into forming habits related to body recomposition, I think it's important to understand self-control, and I've touched on this a little bit already this episode, but self-control or willpower comes from a very active part of your brain, your cortical brain. This part of your brain evaluates the situation, it weighs options, it thinks through consequences, and ultimately helps you come up with a decision about what you should do in a situation. This requires a lot of energy and takes up a lot of your attention. You can also make decisions in a rather automatic way by using hardwired circuits or habits. This process uses your subcortical brain or your non-thinking brain and uses far less energy. These things happen without a lot of thought. So you wake up, you brush your teeth, you brush your hair, you drive to work on the route that you know very well all without a lot of cortical thought or all without a lot of energy. And this is because you are doing your kind of hardwired habits and you've hardwired these habits through perpetuation of a certain activity, like brushing your teeth. But if you were if you remember back to when you were a kid, if you ever babysat or if you have kids, you know that getting kids to brush their teeth, you got to remind them over and over and over and over and over. And then once you become an adult, you don't even have to think about it. It's just a hardwired habit based on the context of waking up in the morning. So having these habits can be really helpful for creating change because it clears up brain space so that we just do them without thinking about it and we can think about higher level things than what we're doing. So where self-control comes in is that it's very depleting of energy. Habits are not very depleting, which is why they can be continued for a long period of time. We can form new habits, good or bad, by first using our cortical thinking brain to take action based on a context cue or environment. Because this requires more brain power at first, since it isn't yet hardwired into your non-thinking brain, it requires that willpower and self-control. The reason good habits are difficult to form is because this self-control, this willpower is a finite resource and can be temporarily drained, especially when you're more fatigued. So this is why I was saying I struggle with resisting bad habits around eating at night when I'm tired. I may have used self-control and willpower all day long and other tasks during my day. And that muscle, so to speak, that self-control muscle, that willpower muscle may be fatigued and tired. However, what's awesome is that studies show that similar to other muscles in our body, that self-control muscle, that willpower muscle can improve and get stronger with regular practice. So although it may be finite, it gets stronger and its stamina can improve as you use it more often, which is really cool and promising. Studies show that the first few weeks of forming a new habit is really the hardest part and that it gets progressively easier and easier and easier. 
So here are the stages of forming a new habit, and then we'll get into, I'll get into lots of examples and kind of help you um, build a habit that you're going to start today, that you're going to try to keep for the next 10 weeks, that it will move you towards your body recomposition goals. So the first stage is the initiation phase. This is when you just decide what habit you're going to choose. So selecting the habit based on the context. And I want to, this is an important part of the process. So I want to detail this with lots of examples. So what I would do is I would recommend setting a 10 week goal that you can easily measure. Like say, okay, I'm going to get eight to nine hours of sleep consistently for six nights a week for 10 weeks or whatever your goal is. Don't try to make it like so, such a huge shocking change that you're not going to be able to stay consistent with it. You can do little baby steps or Maybe your goal is I'm going to hit my protein goals six days a week for 10 weeks or whatever you decide, wherever your kind of biggest problem area is and those top three things related to body composition, sleep, nutrition, and training, um, pick your goal around that and make it simple and make it measurable. Or maybe your goal is around training. You can say, okay, I'm going to do the Evlo workouts four to five times per week, every week for the next 10 weeks. Then pick one habit that's going to help you get towards your goal, just one. Making the action and content and context as similar as possible is key. So you don't want to do something different every single time. The, like you don't want to change the habit up too much. Keeping it really consistent and basic and almost redundant is going to really help you solidify that habit. For example, if you're working on sleep, Pick, pick an action that will help your sleep and a context that's already existing in your routine that will help you do that action. So let's say, okay, I know that I scroll a lot on my phone. This I'm speaking to myself here, truly. I scroll a lot on my phone while I'm in bed and that prolongs me getting to sleep by like you know 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. And so if I didn't do that, if I just read instead, I'd probably fall asleep a lot faster. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm, while I'm brushing my teeth at night, which is something I already do every single night, that's already a habit, I'm going to set my alarm on my phone, I'm going to put my phone on the charger, and I'm not going to touch it till the morning so I don't scroll endlessly. So keeping the context and the action the exact same is key because variation takes extra decision-making and therefore extra energy. And you want to limit the amount of energy that you're using because remember, willpower and self-control is finite. It's depleting. So you want to limit the energy, take out any decision fatigue, keep that action in that context as similar as possible. For example, don't put your phone on the charger, you know, after dinner or when you're done washing your face, always do it when you're brushing your teeth. So keep the action in the context as similar as possible. Or if you're working on nutrition and getting more protein, maybe you eat the exact same high protein breakfast every weekday. The context is it's a weekday at 7 a.m. and I'm eating my cottage cheese and blueberries and banana and peanut butter, which has been my uh, go-to breakfast for the last few weeks. I'm loving it or whatever it is. The reason why Evelyn members tell us they can be so consistent is because we are so consistent with our content and what you do on which day. So they don't have to think about their workout selection at all. If it's a Tuesday, it's lower body day. Boom. 
You already know the context is it's Tuesday. The action is I take lower body on Tuesdays. So simplifying things and making them as consistent as possible is going to make habits so much easier to form because it will drain your willpower less. I've personally found this extremely helpful with staying consistent with nutrition, especially when I first started body my body recomposition journey in early 2022. I would eat a lot of the same things, and that really helped with my decision fatigue around food, especially at night when my willpower was low and my boredom was higher. So keeping things really similar, I cannot emphasize enough how important that is going to be for you to form a new habit. So that's the initiation phase. The next phase is just the learning phase, and this is simply where you just repeat the behavior over and over. The context arises. It's 7 a.m. on a weekday. I'm going to eat my high-protein breakfast, the same breakfast that I've been eating, and you just do the same thing. It's Wednesday at 7 a.m. I know on Wednesdays I take burn, whatever it is. It's lunchtime. I'm adding my protein shake after my meal. So context, and then you repeat the action. And then finally, in this phase of developing a new habit, you have the stability phase. And this is where the action persists with minimal effort. It's where you formed the habit. It's where this becomes more or less automatic. This is called automaticity, something that I referenced earlier. Studies show that habit formation takes about 66 days, 66 days on average, I don't know if you've ever heard like the, it takes 21 days to form a new habit. That's a myth. It takes longer than that, unfortunately. So around 10 weeks is a good benchmark for most people. But you will find that the hardest part is doing the action consistently in the first few weeks, and then it gets progressively easier and easier. When it comes to habits, I love the idea because of course you've got good habits and then maybe you're like, oh, well, I have all these bad habits that I need to break. And I think that breaking bad habits can be a lot more complex. But I do love the idea of adding a habit rather than subtracting. So adding a healthy habit before you're worried about breaking a bad one. And sometimes these go hand in hand. Like again, a bad habit for me is scrolling on my phone at night. And so I'm replacing that habit with a good habit. I've also seen a lot of RDs recommending this for nutrition. So this like kind of add, not subtract method for food. And I really love this. So instead of restricting a food that you love, just adding something nutritious alongside that food to help give your body the proper nutrients and help satisfy you more. So I really love that for nutrition. Ultimately, making these lifestyle changes is not easy. It requires a lot of effort at first, and you may not be perfect at it. But I do think that setting these kind of 10-week goals where you're going to pick one thing that you're going to get good at within that 10 weeks, you're going to make it a habit, you're going to improve that thing in your life, and then maybe the next 10 weeks you add something else and you start to layer and you start to tick away at these lifestyle changes that will really have a compounding effect. And by the time you've hit your one year, you might have all these new habits that are ultimately going to improve your body composition. In episode number 130, Peyton and I talk about the timeline of results for body recomposition. And we both talk about how for us, it was a stair-stepped experience, but in different ways. Her body composition has changed a lot over the last year. And she talks about how it's truly been you know, a two or three year process of changing kind of one variable at a time. And for me, same thing. It, it was like a three year process. I'm pregnant now. So my body is changing in different ways by the day. But last year when I lost fat and gained muscle, it was a stair-stepping process that really started three years earlier. First, I had to learn how to train properly and not overtrain, get out of the mindset of more is better. So 
I could properly load my muscles and see muscle growth without breaking myself down. And then I had to focus on eating properly and fueling properly with enough protein. And then I had to work on drinking less. So it was really like a stair-step process. Ultimately, it took time. And I know that's not sexy, but I'm here to help you all and not give you like sexy, trendy answers. I want to help you for the long term and build habits that are truly going to last your lifetime. If you start now, you will thank yourself in the long run. Okay. That was habits for body recomposition. I hope this was helpful and enlightening. Go off and make your new habit. Start today. You'll thank yourself in 10 weeks. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.